Welcome to What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor. This podcast is provided by the Wellness and Health Action Team, also known as WHAT, from Portland State University's Center for Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC. We're located in the old tutoring center suite on the third floor of the University Center building on campus. Our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health-related topics in a way that will be accessible for our non-traditional campus. My name is Grace, and my pronouns are she, her. And my name is Julie, and my pronouns are she, her. We're all members of the Wellness and Health Action Team, and we'll be the hosts for this podcast, so let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of What's Up. Today, me and Julie are interviewing Arielle from the Peer Recovery Support. Uh, Arielle, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on this podcast with you all. My name is Arielle Hacker. My pronouns are she, her. I'm the mental health promotion coordinator at Shack. So in addition to the peer recovery support program, I also support the peer harm reduction program, and I do some work in suicide prevention on campus. I've been here about four months Uh, Just as some extra info, I'm from Indiana. I just moved here. Uh, So yeah, I'm loving the position so far and getting the chance to work with you all. Well, welcome to Portland and welcome to Portland State. We're very lucky to have you here. Um, And for you to just tell us about what you're doing and the work that you are part of. Um, Yeah, to start our conversation. Um, so we would like to talk a little bit about like harm reduction and peer recovery support program as itself. Um, so if you want to just tell us what are some of the initiatives led by these programs? Yeah, yeah. I'll start with the peer recovery program first. So before I get into like the what we do, I kind of wanted to provide some context for you all around how we operate and our position within Portland State. So peer recovery support services are housed within the Center uh, for Student Health and Counseling, specifically the Health Promotion Department, same as you all. Um, And then the services that are provided are free. They're located on campus and virtually. They're confidential. They're voluntary and non-punitive. So we're not tied to any disciplinary processes for substance use. So we've hired a PSU student who's in recovery from substance use to provide this peer support. And uh, the peer recovery support specialist facilitates smart recovery meetings multiple times a week starting this term. And actually it's been going on for the last couple of years in a virtual sense due to COVID. Um, And smart recovery is an abstinence-based approach to recovery. And SMART recovery, uh, SMART stands for self-management and recovery training. And this type of peer program involves enhancing and maintaining motivation to abstain from addictive behavior, coping with urges, managing thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and balancing momentary and enduring satisfactions. So in addition to these SMART recovery meetings, The peer recovery specialist is also available to meet with students one-on-one if they're interested in having conversations about what recovery might look like for them, getting connected with on- and off-campus resources, 
gaining more tools to maintain recovery or just build their community on campus by interacting with other students who identify as being in recovery. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of different ways to connect with this program. So I encourage anyone interested in learning more to reach out to peer recovery at pdx.edu. Uh, we're also going to start up sober social hour events during winter term, so stay tuned for that. So that's a little bit about peer recovery. I can just dive right into harm reduction next. Yeah, uh, we also... Not? Oh, no, you go, go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say um, thank you for telling us about that. I feel like not a lot of students know about peer recovery. Um, it's kind of like a low-key program, but it is a very impactful program, and I'm glad that you're leading it because you have a lot of knowledge about it and you also seem very passionate about it. So we're glad to have you here. Yeah. Thanks for saying that and help yeah. us spread the word because we don't yeah. want it to be low key. We want everyone to know and have yeah, access. Yeah, to totally. It. And yeah, I was, oh, I'm sorry. oh no, Julie, you're fine. Go. <laughs> no, I was about to say, what are some of the, I think we're going to talk about it later too. What are some of the approaches that y'all are considering in terms of like spreading it for our students to know? Because I know that we're still in that weird transition phase of coming back in person. And I know many initiatives are starting to for some actually they're like hitting the restart button because they yeah. weren't really known before and so what are some of the approaches that y'all are doing in in order for students to know about your programs and support yeah it is tricky um so we've been pretty much just bringing it up every opportunity we can um sending out a lot of email updates about um, the dates and times of meetings putting flyers up on campus, talking to student resource centers. When I go present um, to different classrooms around like mental health promotion, I'll plug the peer recovery and harm reduction programs in that conversation as well. Um, I do like some suicide prevention training. So just like bringing up the conversation wherever it feels appropriate um, and then letting students know within health promotion who are also doing their own outreach, kind of like this podcast, um, just trying to plug it wherever I can and, and start that conversation. And if you have any recommendations, I am eager to hear them. Yeah, part of our work is whenever we do collaboration, we always try to like cross collaborate and kind of like plug in mm -hmm. anything that we can as possible. So then all the other organizations and programs would know about us. Um, and yeah, if now you want to talk about the harm reduction program, I think this would be a great time for you to do so. Yeah, yeah. So if a student isn't interested in an abstinence only model, um, but they are interested in learning about uh, strategies for safer substance use, they can reach out to harm reduction at pdx.edu. So similar to the peer recovery program, harm reduction services are student led, they're voluntary, confidential, and non punitive. Uh, this is a very new program that we've been building this term. And so far, we have resources like fentanyl testing strips. Um, so I will explain what that is really quick. For those who don't know, fentanyl test strips are a tool to check any drugs that you don't receive from a pharmacy for fentanyl. Uh, it takes just a couple of minutes to go through the whole process. It only requires a tiny amount of the substance to actually test it, uh, like a strawberry seed size <laughs> amount. And then fentanyl is a synthetic opioid that is about 50 times more potent than heroin and 80 to 100 times stronger than morphine. And this means the risk of a fatal overdose is significantly higher if you're using a substance that contains fentanyl. 
And sometimes, actually a lot of times a person doesn't even know if there's fentanyl in the drug that they're using. Um, so fentanyl can be found in drugs like heroin, meth, cocaine, and crust pills, which is why it's so important to check your drugs before you use them. Um, you can email us at the email I mentioned earlier if you'd like fentanyl testing strips, or you can pick some up at Shack. Uh, there's a kiosk by the front desk slash like waiting room area, and you can grab those for free. We're also, in addition to the fentanyl testing strips, working on obtaining naloxone or Narcan is the brand name to redistribute on campus and train folks how to administer it. Um, but for now, we can provide folks with information about where to obtain Narcan at a free or reduced cost because we actually don't have it right now. And so just a little bit about Narcan. It's a non-addictive opioid antagonist. So that means it counters the effects of an opioid overdose. An opioid overdose occurs when someone uses too much of an opioid. So like heroin, fentanyl, morphine, oxycodone. And those opioids fit into, or an opioid overdose occurs when those opioids fit into too many receptors in the brain. And those receptors also affect our ability to breathe. So by administering Narcan, uh, the Narcan essentially kicks out the opioids from those receptors. And that allows the person to breathe normally again and regain consciousness. Um, there's a couple more things. Narcan, it only works if the person has opioids in their system. There aren't any adverse effects if you administer it on a person who is unconscious or not breathing for a reason other than an opioid overdose. So if like someone's unconscious and you think they've overdosed and you administer Narcan, nothing bad will happen if they haven't actually overdosed. Thank you for pointing um, that out. I think yeah, I as think a result a of, of the Narcan. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, totally. Um, I think a lot of people are scared of Narcan because they think like, I mean, I can't even imagine a situation in which you're having to administer and you don't like fully know all the facts. Like I'd be freaked out as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's such an important thing to have on your person and caring, especially if you're part of like a nightlife or like a different community that um, frequently uses drugs. Um. But it's also just like kind of very taboo still and it's hard mm -hmm. to access. So I'm glad yeah. that PSU is starting a program to kind of get that going. Because I remember last year when I was on the social media team, I was trying to do a Halloween post and I was trying to find places in Portland where you could get Narcan. And it was so hard. It took me mm. so long because there's just very limited resources. Yeah, so, I was about to say, like, yeah. what, are some, what are some places that people can get Narcan? Yeah. Um, so our peer harm reduction specialist actually just created this really nice flyer. Um, we can, can we post that or like link oh, it yeah. in the description? Yeah, 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 we can. We could definitely link that in the description. I really appreciate cool. that. Yeah, I have a ton of resources to give you all that we can just link in the description. I think I reference it later on, like about Narcan and, and links to learn how to administer Narcan because we're not going to talk about that today. Um, so yeah, I'll give you all of that. And then as far as your question about where to access it, in addition to the flyer, um, you can use your like health insurance at any pharmacy to obtain Narcan. You can go to any like syringe service program and get it. Um, like for example, I just found out today, if you have Pacific Source, you can get Narcan at a pharmacy for like $25. And I think that's even high barrier to have to pay $25 for Narcan. I want to be able to give it out for free. 
Um, so, but in the meantime, we have information about where you can access it at a free or reduced cost. So rather than taking y'all's time telling you each resource, if anyone's interested, just email the harm reduction email and we can connect you with those resources. So that's a great question. And it's, yeah, it's so weird that it's hard to access. Yeah, totally. Because people use drugs. Yeah. Um, and that's also just like a major or not major, but like a really great example of harm reduction um, and talking about that sort of stuff. Um, Carrying around uh, Narcan is just like a good kind of practice to be like, okay, like harm reduction, like in your back pocket almost. Um, But I'm wondering if we could kind of talk about an overarching definition of harm reduction and what that means Mm -hmm. in the um, health promotion department at PSU. Yeah. Okay. So I'll actually share two definitions um, from the National Harm Reduction Coalition. And just another side note about resources, they have a training library on their website with a lot of great information and resources surrounding this topic, if anyone is interested in learning more after this podcast. Um, But the first definition is harm reduction as a set of strategies and ideas aimed at reducing the negative consequences associated with substance use. So those strategies include total abstinence, but they also include safer use, managed use, meeting people who use drugs where they're at, uh, and addressing conditions of use along with the use itself. The second definition I'll share is surrounding harm reduction as a movement, which is defined as a movement for social justice built on a belief in and respect for the rights of people who use drugs. Harm reduction recognizes the ways that poverty, class, systemic racism, isolation, trauma, discrimination, and other social inequities affect people's vulnerability to and capacity for addressing drug-related harm. Harm reduction as a movement looks like advocating for policy change at all levels of government to increase access to evidence-based harm reduction services, eliminating the the disparities that people who use drugs face in accessing healthcare or basic human services and addressing the racialized drug policies that are driving racial disparities within the legal system. So there's kind of two working definitions um, that are both equally important in the world of harm reduction and the work that we do. Yeah, that's great. Um, Thank you for providing the definition of harm reduction. I feel like many of us use that phrase but we don't necessarily have a definition applied to it um and speaking about harm reduction and stuff I thought it it would be good for us to transition over to talk about the NCHA data this is I'm most excited for this part and Mm -hmm. the interpretation of it so um Ariel do you want to tell us about a little bit about it yeah so first I'll just explain what the NCHA is Um, So it stands for the National College Health Assessment. It's a national research survey that is organized by the American College Health Association. And the purpose of it is to assist campus health service providers, health educators, counselors, and administrators in collecting data about college students' behaviors and experiences as they relate to a lot of different health topics. Um, So students are invited to take this survey once every two years, and the data that I'm sharing with y'all is going to be from 2022. Um, And students are invited to report on a wide range of experiences like mental health challenges, substance use, 
general health and wellness, challenges to academic performance, the list goes on. Um, and so the data from 2022 shows that PSU students are using substances at higher rates than, than the national collegiate average. So for example, when looking at substance use in the last three months, uh, PSU students, 40% of PSU students uh, reported using cannabis versus the national collegiate average being 28%, which is pretty, I mean, expected. Um, that difference, but then hallucinogens, 8.5% of PSU students reported using hallucinogens in the last three months versus 3% being the national collegiate average. As far as cocaine, um, 2.3%, which is about double the national collegiate average. And those numbers sound small, but, or those percentages sound small, 2%, but that's in the hundreds when comparing it to like the total population of PSU. And then prescription sedatives, 2.7%. And that's non-medical use of prescription sedatives. So they're not um, taking it as prescribed. What and that's is higher. A, what is a non-prescription sedative? Or what is like what is an example of one of those? Uh, like Xanax. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we use some substances at equal or like close to equal rates than the national collegiate average, like tobacco, alcohol, stimulants, and stimulants would be like Adderall. So yeah, um, the survey results also show that there are about three times as many PSU students who identify as being in recovery from substance use compared to the national collegiate average. So like 8%, somewhere around 8% of PSU students report being in recovery. Um, so that's about 2,000 students, which is what motivated Health Promotion and Shack to start the peer recovery program. And similarly, the data tells us that PSU students use drugs. So it's equally important that we have a program on campus that provides students with the knowledge and the tools to practice safer substance use, which is what prompted the harm reduction program to start. And what's interesting about PSU is there's like such a wide range of people and ages. It's not just like people who are in that classic like collegiate age. So seeing this right. data and seeing such high numbers because we have like such a wide variety of people and such a large campus population um, puts it more into perspective. Like I think it'd be yeah. really hard to compare like Lewis and Clark's data to PSU's right. data. Like that wouldn't even be comparable because Lewis and Clark's population is tiny compared to PSU's. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And I thought it was well because there's this misconception of like drug use only happening on traditional campus and our campus is not a traditional campus. And to see those numbers, like what Grace was saying, really puts stuff in perspective. Yeah. And so I just found it very interesting. I agree. Um, no, but yeah, so knowing that students at Portland State uses drugs um, and that we're around people who are actively using it, how do we practice harm reduction from a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. So I really like this question because there's still just so much stigma around substance use and harm reduction. And I think like taking a step back and thinking of this question first, not specifically tied to substance use really gets people thinking about the ways that harm reduction is widely accepted and, and beneficial in our daily lives. So if we think about the definition of harm reduction just as a set of strategies to reduce the negative consequences associated with any risky behavior, 
then harm reduction is wearing sunscreen before tanning outside or going outside in the sun. It's using a condom during sex or wearing a seatbelt. It's wearing a nicotine patch instead of smoking cigarettes. It's drinking water while drinking alcohol or arranging a designated driver on a night out who stays sober and drives everyone home. So we're practicing harm reduction all the time, but sometimes when it comes to talking about Narcan or sterile drug use supplies or drug trekking supplies, there's so much pushback from the community. Like there's a big disconnect there. And I think one of the driving forces um, behind that disconnect is stigma related to certain substances over others or certain risky behavior over others. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think putting in those examples of like having a seatbelt as a harm reduction um, method is really like that one just seems natural to people. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to put my seatbelt on so I don't fly through the windshield if I get in a car crash. But even when states were putting in policies for seatbelts like people are like this is stupid like da, da, da. like yeah. we don't want this and so it just is a matter of like normalizing and like creating um space for conversations like what we're having right now um mm-hmm. so I think when people ask about harm reduction I always use that like seatbelt one or the sunscreen one is also really good um yeah because a lot of people are like in their skincare like routine mm-hmm. right now so yeah, yeah find what resonates for them just yes, to start totally. the conversation yeah, that's, that's totally like an essential part of health is like conveying these concepts to people in ways that they understand them or resonate with them because nobody's going to want to like go to a program that's just like public health jargon, health promotion jargon. Like nobody's going to want to go there. Right. So especially on a college campus like this, it's important to um, make it more universal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also going to ask like, Ariel, why do you think, I mean, we have this conversation all the time, but why do you think it's so hard or difficult and all the stigmas and taboos around like drug usage and why it's particularly hard to talk about harm reduction when it comes to drug usage? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think we really have to just like look back at our history, right? Like the ways that, um, older generations were taught about substance use. Like if you think about the just say no, uh, the like dare uh, curriculum, the abstinence only model um, that people were taught. And if you think about, you know, like the agenda behind that narrative and the reasoning why that was kind of drilled into people's heads, we're really um, fighting against this really big force Um, That is like racialized drug policy and the war on drugs, right? So like Grace said, finding a way to start this conversation that resonates with people and and gets them kind of tuned into what we're talking about um, is kind of the first step in kind of chipping away at that narrative. Yeah, and I think it's the way we integrate it into our conversation, which is something Mm -hmm. I would like to ask you next. Like, what are some terms that we should use and what are some terms that we should avoid when having these discussions in order to not necessarily disregard, but kind of like eradicate the stigma around it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think that being mindful of our language when talking about substance use is a Uh, like an easy way to yeah start that 
process of reducing stigma. Um, and so some examples would be like not referring to someone as an addict or an alcoholic. That's really stigmatizing. So practicing person first language. Um, so if we're practicing for person first language, that would be like a person who uses drugs, like the language we've been using throughout this podcast. Um, another example would be like not saying substance abuse, saying substance use instead, or like misuse, um, not referring to like someone as like being clean or dirty, uh, in relation to their use or in relation to like a drug test. Um, and for this like conversation about language context really matters. So like in the AA or NA community or in the recovery community in general, people might refer to themselves as a recovering addict. So just like keeping in mind the context in which like that conversation is being had. But as far as like someone who is not in the recovery community, um, just like us in this room, like being mindful of our language, not using um, like stigmatizing language, like addict, alcoholic, abuse, uh, relapse, instead of saying relapse, we say return to use. Um, so I would just recommend like learning more about the ways that we perpetuate stigma without knowing it. And just one example is language and just learning more about um, harm rejection in general and how to support folks who are using drugs or folks who are in recovery. Did that answer your question? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, no, it did. It definitely did. And I feel like many of us, especially if we haven't been around people who use drugs, we don't really know the proper language. And sometimes mm -hmm. I feel like, like what you were saying this whole time, like in order to, I don't know, prevent the perpetuation of stigmat oh my God, I cannot stick to it, <laughs> stigmatization of drug usage. I feel like it starts with just the language usage of it and just not like, it, not necessarily offend people, but I feel like it can just detrimentally affect people who are maybe recovering or people who are using it and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And I think also like changing your language does a lot, even if it seems like a small step because people are more receptive to things that sound more like less negative. I mean, there's mm -hmm. so many negative and stigmatized correlations with the word addict. So um, or like substance abuse and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. so I think kind of implementing newer language, even if it doesn't necessarily directly affect you, it probably is affecting someone, you know, at the very least. Um, and based on our NCHA studies from PSU, like there's lots of people who are struggling as well. So, yeah. No, yeah, that's good. And, um, I mean, as a student, too, just speaking from experiences, I think, well, even though I'm not using this program, I try to promote it as much as I can because you don't know who's going through it and who may need it. Um, mm -hmm. Or they might know someone who is interested. Um, not so long ago, I was walking around campus and I was just doing outreach and I was talking to students and there was a student who wasn't even aware that we had a peer recovery support program at Portland State. And I was mm -hmm. just like, we do, you know, and that's why Ariel yeah. is like, we're just trying to reinforce this and push it out. And if you know anyone, let them know, talk about it. Like we have to normalize these discussions and 
being able to know that there's support out there, especially provided by the institution itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, from my experience, just like going out, doing outreach, talking to students and just promoting it in a way um, mm-hmm. and just spreading the words, I think is really helpful. Yeah. And uh, one thing I didn't mention when we were talking about the harm reduction program here is that we're working on developing content now to have ready by winter term. So we can go into classrooms to talk more in depth about what harm reduction is, what overdose prevention is, and uh, what are some safer strategies for using drugs. Um, And so one more thing that I wanted to like include in this conversation about language and just how to reduce stigma is like learning more about the misconceptions of harm reduction in Narcan, um, which is this like conversation just brought this up for me. I want to put it in that harm reduction 101 presentation we're working on is like one thing that we hear a lot about harm reduction is that Narcan or drug checking supplies or whatever enables people to use drugs. That's like a really common misconception that if we go into a classroom and have a conversation about Narcan, that students who weren't using drugs before are going to be like, oh, now that I know about these resources, I'm going to go use drugs. It's a really common um, misconception that uh, poses a really big barrier in like policy change and increasing access to harm reduction. So in addition to like practicing um, respectful language or like appropriate language, also learning about what those misconceptions are and calling the calling people in whenever um, they communicate those. I never thought about that until you brought yeah. it up. And I think that's great that y'all are aware of that and not like in calling people in for it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we want y'all to know about harm reduction, peer recovery support, and like what um Ariel was saying, we will link all of the resources and you can email me those, I think. Cool. Yeah, or anything like that. Yeah, we'll always link that down in the description box um for y'all to access and please contact peer recovery or harm reduction support if y'all are interested or know anyone that is interested in such support. But um yeah, thank you so much for yeah, being on thanks here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, no, I Ariel. really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to see what y'all got going in winter term i'm stoked yeah i'm excited well thank you so much i appreciate you taking some time and talking to us about it thank you grace and julie yeah bye y'all bye we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the what's up podcast we'll catch up with you next week We at Shack are fully committed to the physical and emotional health and wellness of PSU students. Please call ahead to use our health services for flu shots, free COVID testing, or general appointments at 503-725-2800. Counseling services are still available via telehealth, and you can schedule your appointments by calling that same number at 503-725-2800. If you're looking for more health and wellness resources, you can check out our online health magazine that gets sent to your pdx.edu email every Wednesday, or you can download the CampusWell app. Also, feel free to check out the virtual MindSpa experience to rest, relax, and rejuvenate wherever you have internet access. We will be including resources links in the episode description, as well as a link to the episode transcript. If you have any questions about health, wellness, shack, or anything we discussed in this podcast, 
please fill out the Google form in the episode description. Thanks for listening and take care. We'll see you next week on What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor.